0: Welcome to ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra Coming up on today's show, Terry Fondo is up to something we'll discuss.
1: And, yep, it's a must-win in Beantown, but the question is, can they actually pull it off?
0: And last but not least, and for the culture, Draymond Green is out here cutting WWE promos again. We'll talk about all that next, right here on ATL Day 1s. Let's go.
1: This is ATL Day 1s. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now.
0: Want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day 1's your team. Every day. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. But T, when you think about what the Atlanta Falcons have done in the past couple of days, now... We talked about how Bud Dupree has been signed by the Falcons, and that's an edge guy. And then they got a man, uh, Mr. Etheridge, an uh, offensive lineman. Uh, uh, they just signed an offensive lineman, Mr. Etheridge, um, you know, to help out up front. You know, I'm not necessarily a guy who I would think would be considered a for a starter. But I think the big news is, or the thing that, that really has stood out over the past couple of days is the fact that the Falcons have been reportedly getting ready to visit with jalen carter now before before this report came out the atlanta falcons are the only between between five and ten that has not seen them so i think that's one of the things that really stood out to you but when you think about all these things reportedly about to get ready to visit with Jalen Carter, the signing of Etheridge, the signing of Bud Dupree. Do you think any of these things are indicators as to what the Falcons are going to do at 8? Come April? Just next week now, T. We are a little bit over a week away right now.
1: I think the signing of Dupree and Ethan Greenidge are both, to me, indications of what can take place next year. So Mm. it's really in line with the pattern of signing signing the one-year prove-it deals. We saw it last year. We're seeing it again this year where the Falcons are saying, hey, look, if you guys can prove yourselves, we'll do with you what we did with, say, Lorenzo Carter, and we'll bring you back if you're that good, right? But if not, then we can part ways, no harm, no foul, and we really didn't take a lot of cap space, and that builds us up even more next year to, again, go after players with the likes of a David Anyamata or a Jesse Bates so I sneakily suspect that some of these free agency signings are also pointing us to where they think they might have a need next year should they have a need right so that yeah. I believe is part one and then I believe part two to your point is that some of these signings as well and I hate to say this Jarvis but it is something that we actually have to consider at this point when you continue to build up right build the depth in the trenches my thought process is one of two things now could it still mean that you're still going after the generational player absolutely because i'm really seeing you go after a generational player in the trenches and when i say that meaning okay we know calais campbell is on you know sort of the the downside the twilight
0: yeah the twilight of his twilight. career
1: yes yes so you still have to me, some upside and some optimism about getting that guy in, in the trenches and i believe you still have some upside on the possibility of getting somebody at left guard because i don't think we've seen them go out and get an elite player there so i think jarvis it may have implications that we are seeing foreseeing what they are looking at for 2024 in terms of free agency and maybe the draft a little bit. But I also think it's an indication that, hey, we are still looking for that elite player at eight. And yes, that player could be Jalen Carter.
0: And you know what? And I tweeted this out yesterday, when you, basically to the tune of what you, exactly what you're saying. And I think that if a best player available is what I feel like they're setting themselves up, essentially, right? And and when you think about that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're gonna stay right there and pick the best player available. That may mean that hey, you may trade up and go get a guy that you feel like can be that game changer or a uh, generational type player up front, whether it be on the off, if offensive line or the defensive line name more so in this draft in this draft in particular it would probably be somebody on the defensive side of the football uh, that puts his hands in the dirt so I think that you know I think you are really onto something because like we, we understand what Terry Fontenot has been doing right like Every step of the process Okay You go out and sign Jesse Bates You go out and get A David Do You go out and get A Calais Campbell Then you go out and get Trade for a Jeff Okuda Which no one saw coming <laughs> You know what I mean So it's like Hey You need secondary help Hey You need help up front Hey You need to get past somebody With Greater Jared That might be able To help him out From not only on the field But off the field as well From a leadership standpoint So You got you basically check All the boxes When it comes to those things The only thing That hasn't been checked T is the fact that A young like you said, a young generational type player off the edge. And also, Who's going to be the left guard So I think these are some of the things that We, we definitely have to pay attention to And, and keep on, keep an eye on Because these are some of the things that Are going to be crucial come next week When it comes crunch time And I think that I got an idea Of you know what what, what Terry Farno may be up to Because you know like I said I've been putting some things together I've been working on my ATL day one's Mock draft we got that coming next week For y'all so y'all make sure y'all stay tuned For that because we are going to drop that bad boy We're gonna drop that heat like we always do with you all so make sure you be on the lookout for that t speaking of being on the lookout for things we were talking about max free uh jumping on the mound last night but when you think about him getting on that mound last night t it was business as usual when it comes to what we expect from our ace yes i said our ace um No hits last night, T. He went five innings, and Brian Snickers said after the game, like, hey, this is what we wanted him to get to, and we wanted to uh, play it safe, and now we look like we're going to be able to go uh, business as normal going forward in his next start, T. Yeah,
1: exciting. You bring 10 batters up, Max Freed says 10 batters down. Period. That's how it goes for him in five innings. The stat that stood out for me the most was 79 pitches. (laughs) That
0: off. Efficient. I mean, efficiency
1: <laughs> is, is so amazing. And then want to give an honorable mention, shout out to the bullpen because you held serve. All the Braves needed was the two run home run from Austin Riley in the first inning to win that game, and we know it was a little bit more of a shootout when the Padres came to Truist Park last week, right? So, right. them to be, be able to do this with just two runs batted in, I think that's really impressive because that also means that once Mac Freed, Max Freed sits and he's done his work, then it's up to the rest of your guys to take it through those last four innings. And when you're talking about rendering them scoreless, and two hits the remain the rest of the way, that is impressive. And that's what you and I talked about yesterday of getting an all-around game from the Braves because the other piece is if Max free and the bullpen holds serve, and then you get at least those two runs at the plate, the next thing is your defense has to make sure that the Padres get no runs. Mission accomplished in all three phases.
0: And the thing that I've, I've really loved about the Braves this year is the fact that they've been getting off to really good starts at the plate, and I, they started that last night with Austin Riley getting the party started, where, you know, with the two run home run, and you know, obviously Ronald Cunha setting the table, you know, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. you know getting on base and everything like that is just these like I think what they scored 17 runs in the first inning, and that leads the major leagues. Um, so when you think about that, like when you have before a guy like Max Freed even touches the mound. He has a two-run lead, and he's basically said, you know what? That's all I need. <laughs> I don't need anything else. I'm good. Yes, that's what y'all going to give me tonight? Yeah. Absolutely. I'll take it. And he took it and ran with it, and when you think about that. So we will definitely keep, uh, keep an eye on this because we've seen this before, T. We saw them win the first game of the series against the San Diego Padres. We want to keep that party going and keep, the, uh, keep this bad boy going. As the Braves continue the series out there in San Diego, uh, where they've won nine out of 11. So, yeah, they've been doing pretty well on the road out there at Petco Park. Now, we want to tell you guys about what the Atlanta Hawks got going on. Uh, what they're going to do tonight, we don't know. We're going to talk about it, though. But first, we've got to talk about fanduel.com slash on because it is the number one sports book in America. It is also. You know, you guys have been rocking with us Monday through Friday each and every day because we are the number one podcast in your hearts. So we want you to be, get the number one sports book in your hearts and get going and win some money because they have Each and everything that you need, right? They got the money lines. They got the over-unders. They have all the threes drained. Like, you can even go threes drained. And we know how many three-pointers the Hawks shoot. So, hey, based off of what they did in the game one, you know, you might want to go to under on that bad boy. So, you never know. So, but yeah, head to fanduel.com slash locked on and and check out and take advantage of the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even combine all your bets same game parlay So head there today The to No sweat First Bet This is for first time users y'all If y'all haven't been there before First time users No sweat First Bet up To $1,000 If your first bet doesn't win And make sure you head to FanDuel.com Slash On Make every moment more Visit FanDuel.com Slash Today It is the number one Sportsbook in America
1: So, Jarvis, to call it a must-win is probably an understatement, but Hawks are back in must-win territory. Yes, it is only game two of this opening round series against the Celtics, but when you get blown out, and don't let that 13-point win by the Celtics fool you into thinking it wasn't a blowout, because at one point, Celtics led by 32 points, 30 points at the half. So it is important to know that, yes, this is one of those games where the Hawks have to try their best to steal one. The question becomes this. Yes, it is obvious that one of the things they're going to need to do, Jarvis, is shoot better from the perimeter. You cannot go 17% from beyond the arc and expect to beat really any team in the nba to be quite honest these days secondly if you're going to do that you can't also lose your identity on defense and get out rebounded by about 15 rebounds yeah when you look into the numbers whether you look into the numbers jarvis or whether you look at a particular player or a particular group of players just give me one thing that maybe you saw that was good in that game one that you're like okay if i could just see more of that maybe the hawks have a shot tonight
0: wow uh yeah i probably have to do some re- some dissertational research on that one right? <laughs> to try to find something good from that past game because i, I think let me say this uh, one thing that i thought that was a positive it was the fact that you know bo- um, bogey started off shooting terribly But you start to see him kind of catch fire like a shooter does. Like a shooter's going to continue to shoot. Like guys like Bogey, if he's struggling, like I'm sitting at the bench, man, keep shooting, bro, because at some point he's going to start making those shots. And I think that you saw him do that whenever uh, Hawks got it down to 12 points. And obviously now the Celtics went back on a a run like we expected them to and and eventually ended up closing the game out. But I think that – there's a lesson to be learned with, with, with what happened with Bo. Is if you are going to struggle, there are going to have to be some aspects of your game that just they are going to have to pick up, right? Like if you're not shooting the rock well, like you can't afford to kind of say take it easy on the defensive side of the court. Like that's just it's unacceptable. You know, like J.C. and DeAndre. Y'all, if you're going to struggle, if you're going to struggle on offense, lockdown on defense and eventually that defensive lockdown will lead to points and we've seen this team do that before guys like Dejounte Murray has normally lead that lead the way when it comes to things like that so and taking chances on defense and going for you know being aggressive you know on, on, with his on ball defending so those are some of the things that I feel like the Hawks need to do right like and and from a positive standpoint like if you're going to struggle it happens. Like three point shooting team, like I said, we mentioned yesterday, it seemed like every team in the NBA is a three point shooting team. So, you know, I don't think we have to even point that out anymore. So when you're struggling from the three point line, make sure, make sure that you lock down on defense and, and really focus because good defense, a good to great defense can lead to some solid offense.
1: And I love that you pointed out that Bogdan Bogdanovich did what a shooter does, which is you just have to keep shooting until Absolutely. he shots yeah. And I also think that one of the goods was points in the paint. I mean, it was fifty-four for the Celtics, fifty-four for the Hawks. Exploit that. Go back in. That is maybe the one area where not to say that the Celtics aren't solid. With the likes of robert williams or or al horford but it is to say that you can you can compete with them obviously points in the paint show that you can and on the offensive rebounding boards you were close enough now you should have had a little bit more of a gap because that's where you pulled up and got yourself off the canvas the last 20 plus games of the season to even get into or stay in the play in tournament right? right so just Go there and exploit. I want to see more points in the paint. And Jarvis, not just from the bigs. Backcourt, if the three isn't falling for you, be aggressive and drive the lane. Get some floaters in there. Get some contact and get in there and do
0: something. (laughs) Just fight. 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 Come on, somebody. Do something.
1: Yeah, or just to me, that's an area where maybe the Hawks, sneakily had a solid game and maybe they can build upon that from game one now the obvious is what you mentioned as well in terms of what they can do better that we saw from game one to game two and that is yeah absolutely you have got to get it from the three and the four position and honestly okay john collins it could be you deandre hunter it could be you but i don't really care at this point i don't care Hmm. if it's big bay aj griffin jalen johnson i don't care if you want to play kind of small ball style or whatever quinn snyder is dialing up, if you will. All I know is that Clint Capella is playing a decent or played a decent, solid game on on Saturday, right? Yeah. So if he can just play just a, a bit better, just step his game up ever so slightly. If we can get some more out of that backcourt, that's fine. That's still going to be Trey stepping up and DeJounte stepping up. I don't necessarily think that we're going to see. I don't know, Aaron Holiday or Bogdan Bogdanovich just do wonders. So that's going to mean Trey and and DeJounte step up. But with with that 3-4 Jarvis, you hit on something. It's got to be Dre and J.C., but I'm going to hit on the other piece. If it's not, Quinn Snyder's got to go to his bench and say, you guys got to give me something. Double O, give me something. A.J., I'm going to insert you this time because he wasn't inserted in the lineup in game one. Give me something. Like, they've got to be ready to go in the event that the starters just don't give them what they need. Now, speaking of This was something that Landry Fields somewhat alluded to in an interview this morning with the Morning Shift on 92.9 The Game. He talked about the fact that, you know, there are some opportunities there because some of these guys have never been in a playoff situation and certainly not in uh, the TD Garden. So it may be something where not so much that it was a focus situation, but maybe there are some things that they can kind of tweak and improve upon and it's an opportunity for them to learn and grow. Now. That is not verbatim. That is giving you guys the cliff-nose version of what he said. But what I heard in some of those comments was, hmm, maybe we are still understanding that this is still an audition for next season. This is still an evaluation for who could potentially contribute to this team next season. That said, looks like Quinn Snyder's been doing a little bit of evaluating who could be on his bench for the coaching staff next season in the form of one Mike Bray now. Most recently, I believe The Athletic reported it, but Pete Thamel reported it a couple of weeks ago as well. And then a few weeks before that, the Notre Dame insider actually alluded to it when the thought was that Bray was gonna get that job at USF, it didn't pan out for him. Then he thought about TV, but he was also maybe eyeing this position because of his relationship with Quinn Snyder. But my question to you is this, very interesting move By Quinn Snyder, what do you think is the primary reason other than their longstanding relationship that Quinn Snyder might have thought, hey, I'd like to bring Bray to this bench?
0: I think it's a matter of bringing in people that he knows the most because let's keep it let's keep it funky right let's we can go here real quick like more than likely 95 percent of the guys that are on that bench right now probably not going to be there next year and I think that especially Jameel McMillan you know what I mean so it's just 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 awkward you know at this point so I think that you know getting his own guys in here getting guys that are familiar with how he wants to do things and to be honest with you you know uh Bray is a guy that can kind of deliver the Message as well because he coached uh, um, um, Quinn Snyder and, and Snyder is a guy that has the ultimate respect for a guy who coached him because hey he he coached him what was it eighty seven. When, when uh, um, um, Quinn Snyder was a player at Duke, who was an absolute hooper, by the way. I don't know you guys. Hey, Snyder was a hooper. He was all American. Dude was a real deal back in the day. So I, I think I'm not too surprised that you know he's become the type of coach that he has become. You know, being a former player and being able to add, having coming through up the ranks you know as a as assistant coaching and, and being able to establish a lot of relationships because he's a relationship guy like look dig into Quinn Snyder for those you don't know this guy is a relationship guy and when you have guys that can move men like he can and also teach men like he can like I, I, I'm whole I'm really excited about this this particular regime and this coaching staff and he's starting off pretty well with getting a guy like Mike Bray and bring him into the fold
1: yeah, I think it's a solid move because he is someone that Quinn Snyder can trust. So, I think that's a piece of it. Another piece is he's fresh off the col- out of the college ranks. And right. the Hawks at their core are still a, it's still a very young team. So, there may be some connectivity, some learnings that maybe he can give because Quinn Snyder is very much removed from the college basketball game. <laughs> I think that could help out. And then I think about someone like Pat Connaughton, right, who act, who has a lot of the fundamentals that you want to see in your players because and high basketball IQ, you know, I always,
0: yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, you know, for sure.
1: Part of that can certainly be attributed to Pat Connaughton, but a part of that can also be contributed to Mike Bray as well. So, I think that could be possibly something that you can look to the kind of player that Mike Bray has cultivated in someone like Pat Connaughton, and can he bring some of that to the table for the Hawks as well? So, yeah, I think it could be a solid move for the Hawks overall. We'll see what a solid move, I believe, was never quite solid, was the move of Kevin Herter. You know, you guys know that we watch the NBA playoffs in their entirety, so we're not just yes. looking at what Hawks-Celtics are doing, but we're watching the other teams. And because one of our guys, or one of our buddies, the show, Brian Gephardt, is now a program director out in SACTOW, so we've been in touch with him just asking about the hoopla in Sacramento. It is absolutely bonkers. Of course, the Kings pull off another win against the Warriors last night. They're now up 2-0. But Jarvis, all I kept thinking of was 15 points, six of 14 shooting from the field, five rebounds, two blocks and a steal. Man, do we miss Red Velvet or what?
0: Yes, Um, because when you think about the previous regime and Travis Lane, the one thing that general managers don't do or president of basketball operations or the people who make the big boy decisions when it comes to the roster, They don't get rid of guys that they cultivated, that they brought up, because nobody saw Kevin Herter becoming the player that he became when he was drafted by the Hawks. Nobody saw – I know I talk a lot of trash about him when John Collins. Nobody thought he was going to be the player to be able to get a $25 million annual contract uh, year over year. So – that's why you know when that trade went down, something was funky, something was up, something wasn't particularly right. When you have him trade one of his guys, because like those are like those are the guys that are staples that you build a team around. Nobody thought that Kevin Hurt was on the trading block because you know you've heard John Collins been on the trading block for for three years now, but he's still on the team. But when you hear. When you hear the trade go down and there was no rumors leading up to it, you know it kind of had to be a, an abrupt decision. And I feel like wholeheartedly that that wasn't Travis Slank's decision. And I think that in, I think right now, and we know that more than likely they had to de- trade him in order to bring uh, DeJounte Murray into the fold or make it make the money work. But I, you just got to look back at it and just say, you know what? He didn't have that great of a shooting night, but he was finding a way to be effective on the court, to the tune of a plus sixteen and plus minus on the court. T like that's what we've been talking about. Hey, if you're not going to shoot well, we get it, but you got to be effective at some point. Because otherwise, you just can't be on the court.
1: Yeah, and of course yeah he's known for his perimeter shooting so it's interesting yes. to see that he was six of 14 from the field but like you said looking across his entire stat line it's a stat line that's very very consistent with his stat line for the entire season except of course his three-point stat of course is decidedly higher but that right. said when you're looking across the entire season the entirety of the season for the Hawks and you look in that particular category of three-point production, especially in the second unit, whom you can easily mm-hmm. insert into the first unit, you really, really do miss a Kevin Herder. And of course, we congratulate him because he's one of the guys who is truly a fan favorite, a media favorite as well. He got an award for being so uh, friendly and so amenable to, to the local media, but proud of that guy. But certainly when you see someone like him doing what he's doing in Sacramento, it definitely makes you look at the Hawks and say, wow, that's probably one of the areas that's going to need to be addressed in the offseason whether you do it in free agency or whether you do it in the first round of the draft you're going to have to get somebody who can be another sharpshooter to compliment Bogdan Bogdanovich off the bench but we know our everydayers. we want to hear from you guys I mean have you guys been watching Kevin Herter and seeing what he's doing out on the court seeing what he's doing on the west coast have you guys been watching the rest of these NBA finals and kind of looking and saying boy sure would be nice if the Warriors didn't give Clay Thompson that max contract that he's looking for. Does he possibly want to come here? You all know that conversation had taken place about a year or two ago. You guys want to have that conversation again? Keep keep being, continue being our everydayers. We appreciate you guys from being with us from day one and for this being your first listen of the day. And maybe your first look as well if you go to YouTube and check us out. But of course, wherever you get your podcast, don't forget. And don't forget to tell a friend. It's not too late. For them to become everydayers as well.
0: But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. T, when you think about the NBA playoffs, I've been talking a lot about the the Hawks versus the Celtics. But... We know there are other series going down. we talked about Kevin Herter as well and how how we miss him so much down here in the city of Atlanta. But another thing going down, another big star, Draymond green T gets ejected from the game because, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, Avita Sabonis' son, you know, Avita Sabonis was good at basketball. DeMontis Sabonis is good at basketball as well. Not too surprised by that notion. But... They got into a little altercation essentially in the fourth quarter with about seven minutes to go in the game and uh, Demarcus Sabonis was falling down And he said to break his fall He kind of grabbed Draymond Green's leg And then Draymond decided to say You know what, I'm running full speed dog Like, let me go ahead and step this foot down And it just so happened to be on Sabonis's chest And he eventually got ejected But I think the thing for me, T Is it's kind of hard for me to take Draymond Green seriously Sometimes when it comes to this type of stuff Because we know this is the type of stuff that he's into when he's going, riling the crowd up, and they're chanting his name like Draymond sucks and all this stuff, and he's up here egging them on, standing up with the towel on his head and all that stuff, I'm just like, it's kind of hard for me to kind of take him seriously post game when he was saying, you know, you know, I, my legs been grabbed twice, and, and you know, in these games, I guess grabbing legs is grabbing ankles isn't an issue, and then it, it, reportedly that he even went to, so far as to get an X-ray on his ankles, teeth to see if he was hurt like this, is, this dude is just so extra to me like it's so hard for me to take him seriously at this point in his career he,
1: he's so extra I mean this is not shocking because like you said this is something that we have seen in him over the years and it's going to be interesting to see on a serious note how this impacts the Warriors because we know right. the real reason the Cavaliers were able to come back in that series all those years ago where LeBron got his first ring of a, a championship to the city of Cleveland is because of Draymond. That right. suspension turned that series around completely. And yep. this is a series where the Warriors are not as strong as they were heading into the postseason last year. The Kings are, they're forming. They're rolling. Yeah. They're rolling. They're, yeah. they're rolling. They are mm-hmm. one of the hottest teams in the NBA. You can't afford to take them lightly and you can't afford to lose Draymond. You probably will because of his the history that I just mentioned, as well as the recent history. He's already been suspended this year because he got his 16 technical. So the chances of him getting suspended for a game are very, very high. And you're talking about a Warriors team that, again, is not as strong as it was last season. The bench isn't as deep as it was. There's some injuries there. And, of course, they have parted ways with some players as well. But the biggest thing I thought, going on a lighter note, was Shaquille O'Neal saying, you know what, I can't even judge, bro. I probably would have done the same thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was like, that's such a Shaquille O'Neal response. Absolutely. But I you know, I say that all to say this is gonna be interesting because short term, long term, we've been talking about the Hawks and the short term and long term impact of what's going on in this postseason and who's gonna be back here and not next year Draymond wants a max contract Clay Thompson wants a max contract so the other piece of that I thought of was hmm is this going to give a little opening for maybe a an earlier than expected rebuild of the Warriors where maybe someone else wants to give clay a max contract and if we're okay with the luxury tax down here because you don't want to keep them both then, Klay Thompson, are you are you interested? I mean, are you willing? Okay, I know, guys, that that is so hot But <laughs> like My mind went down the rabbit hey,
0: Like, like we, 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 we reserved a right, to, because we had to watch 82 games of straight-up mediocrity. Mediocrity. Meh. Average. Like, below average. Average. One game above. One game below. One game, to, you know, 500. Like, yeah, like, we deserve to be hot taking, And I'll even add to that. That, T. I'm gonna double down on that. How about this? You know, Jalen Brown, uh, <clears throat> it's still a little, 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 little tangy because, uh, the Boston Celtics, uh, you know, dangle his name out there to try to get Kevin Durant. So, um, from what I hear, from what I hear, T, the Hawks are monitoring that situation. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And you know what I was thinking Jarvis What if What if he gets his ring You know they're the favorites now What if he Ooh, gets his ring At yes. that point
0: I'm suddenly rooting for them To get a ring So he can just you know, go ahead And get it, finish the deal there And come on and down here. <laughs> <Yeah. head>. How <laughs> <you> doing JB <laughs> JB Hey man like you can be right here And you can continue Your social work You know what I'm saying As far as You know Fighting for the people Like man I, I respect that dog Like man Come on down here Man we can We can like Really get this thing Rolling dog I'm with you Whatever non-profit Organization you got going on I'm with you Jay So We appreciate you guys Being with ATL Day Ones And then making it Your first listen Each and every day We thank y'all so much Guess what The people who have been Rocking with us every day They're called the everydayers So if you want to be A part of that organization You want to be a part of that gang you know what I'm saying we're out here we no 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 we're not not gang if you want to be a part of this beautiful organization that we call everydayers go ahead and drop us a comment in the comment box every day Monday through Friday we're right here just for you and we'll ask you one thing before we get out of here people you know I do this each and every day if you don't do anything in life make sure please that you share love show love and most importantly spread love